Hello. Hello. Yay. Um, it's so good to have you all here. It feels like it's been forever. Uh, this is your first time listening. Uh, we are a podcast for lefties who also love pop music. Yeah, you came to the right place. You're here if you are was excited about Taylor Swift's Lover. You're still listening to it, and you're wondering why Bill de Blasio was ever in the race to begin with. Mm-hmm. These are so, some things that we care about. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. I'm Hannah Zill. And we have a great episode for you today about pop music and masculinity with an amazing guest, none other than Hannah's boyfriend, uh, Logan Bayroff. And I like to think that that's his only and sole title. That's it. So stay tuned for his interview in just a few moments and make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. While you're there, please give us five stars, review us, drop the word hooked on pop in there. Um, I know you're probably listening to this on a Thursday because here at the B-Sides, we observe Yom Kippur, uh, but we normally come out every other Wednesday. And if this is your first time giving us a listen, thank you. And we cannot wait to be part of your normal podcast life. Um, Before we dive into our A-Sides, I just wanted to know what's up with you guys. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber had their wedding this weekend. Again. Oh, oh we caught it. <laughs> we saw uh, it. He also We caught that right up. A music video with Dan and Shay. Mm-hmm. In addition to go along with his wedding, as I honestly think should happen at most weddings. They should Wait, come do you think that them. they like did they plan that? Yes. Did you watch the video? It's of the Justin and Haley. No, I think I more mean like did they plan to get, I think so. Did they plan their wedding around it? Like, I understand there's a single oh. game, but like, were they like, you know what? You should do a single with Dan and Shay, and then that should be when we get married. I think that. <laughs> I really think so. Or I, I bet know. Justin, I bet maybe Hallie Baldwin was like, I love Dan and Shay. Justin, do a collab. And he uh-huh. was like, I'll do it. And in purposes of making, of milking this event, it'll come out on the day of our second wedding. Uh huh. Mm hmm. And I'll get in a fight with PETA at the same time. Yes. He was like, what if we do all this at once? He's a, he's a genius. Good for him, honestly. His cats are cute. I like the smart achievers. That is exactly what this is. He's I just like the like, song. It's catchy. Oh, I do like the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And she looked beautiful. Oh, I love her dress. Me too. Did you see that her veil said, till death do us part? No, oh wow. It's a little extra. I mean, having a song released also on the day of your wedding is a little extra, one would say. That's true. That's perfect for October, though, that veil. <laughs> yeah. Just like, a little spookier than veils usually are. <laughs> You're so right. God, we're going to see so many veils now with that on it. Mm. Uh-oh. Haley, what did you do? Haley Bieber? Baldwin Bieber? I think she's just Bieber. I think she's Bieber. You're right. Yeah. Um, what else have you guys been listening to? Um, well, another song that came out was that, uh, how do you say his name? Love? Is that right? Oh, oh yeah. Could it begin to tell you? Could wow. It, all right. I'm sorry. Wow. L-A-U-V. Love. Spelling bee. Um, <laughs> can you use it in a sentence, Mimi? <laughs> yes, I can and I will. Um, Love came out with a song called Sims which is a huge part of my identity, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really about The Sims, unfortunately, but it's called that, which is which is good. And I think, I don't know if he has an album dropping because um, that song came out and another song that I actually like a lot called Feelings came out a couple weeks before. Yeah. Um, so I've been- He's definitely getting some content out there. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah, yeah. So- you know, that's something I was really, ex- I was really confused when I saw that it was called Sims and I wonder who was like marketing that one. Cause he just mentions it once in the beginning, but I think that I have been correctly targeted um, with that song. <laughs> I was so wondering, good. I've listened to it one time, but I don't remember at all the connection with the Sims. Does it have like anything to, to do with the themes? He just said, he just says, um, he starts by saying, I wish that you and I lived in the Sims. And then it's, like, about okay. how they could create a life together, but the timing ah. is wrong, so they can't. But then he never mentions The Sims again. Wow. Yeah. 
I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, All right, guys. I think now actually is a good time for us to get into our A-sides, which is our segment about top headlines from last week, month, whenever, and our quick takes. Today, we're going to talk about something that's pretty fresh. Um, for those of you that don't know, Demi Lovato just came back from a look like a beautiful trip to Israel. Um, and no, it was not to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Um, so she went to Israel, which looking at her Instagram at first, just be like another celebrity using her platform to explore religion. I don't know, something as we just mentioned before, Justin Bieber does honestly quite a lot. I'm expecting him to take an all expensive paid trip to Israel. Uh, as well sometime soon and maybe not apologize don't want to don't want to do a little deeping but anyway so it seems there was way more than just these nice instagram posts of demi lovato holding children um she was reportedly paid 15 sorry one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be baptized in the jordan and post content from her trip which was seen as a political statement on her part given um israeli-palestinian tension of course, now both sides of the, both ends of the spectrum freaked out, accusing her of ignoring the real problem in the Middle East, et cetera. She apologized, but like, it's honestly like, what degree do we hold our celebs accountable for their actions if they're just trying to make a buck and like not think that anything they do is repercussion? I will say, I think that her apology seems sincere. Well, it was, she was sincerely confused and surprised. Yes. Yeah. yes. That's why I think it was sincere because she yeah. honestly was like, oh, I really don't know anything, which is honestly quite sad when you think about how many people go through the world not knowing the world around them. Anything. Poor yeah. Demi. I know. I mean, we like these celebrities are, some of them are not as smart as we think they are. <laughs> she was, I almost think she was swindled. Oh, I mean, that's what she was, it, that's what yeah. she made it sound like. I know. Part of, I think, what's, like, wild about this is, like, her apology that was, like, an Instagram story that I think was taken down pretty quickly mm-hmm. wasn't, like, I'm so sorry, I hadn't learned. She was, like, I'm so sorry, no one told, told me, me. <laughs> about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it's, like, oh, yeah, I mean, you could have, like, maybe, maybe known that, like, any of this was possible and then, like, done some Googling, but I guess you really just didn't fine okay it's like she was like I'm really frustrated right now and it's like I think I think there are two main sides to this and one of them is like on one extreme it is like yes she took this trip and was baptized as a result of like to get um sponsored content like sponsored content and baptism going hand in hand that's one side the other side is people being like I'm sorry. Do you expect our celebrities to solve all these geopolitical issues? And it's like, no, like somewhere in between those two things is where I would like most of them to live, you know, including her. And I think that's sort of what we're all getting at here is like, she, I think that most people know that it's a contentious place on earth and that you should tread a little carefully and not just sort of, um, go into things like this without without thinking about it at all and to be like no one told me it's like well you have access to a lot of things and a lot of information actually at the same time so yeah it's almost like putting on blackface getting your photo taken and being like no one told me this was racist Mm -hmm. exactly that is like and it because the way that's like that it's being explained is like um as if i don't know as if you like went to an amusement park and like you weren't told about the rides or something as if it's like something that's supposed to be like part of your prep and it's like actually some of this stuff is just you know something you can google because you have an instinct that maybe it's loaded Demi I was definitely like I mean okay part of like I think that part of what she's saying and part of what I think some of the backlash is missing is that there's like she apologized for for going and people are like that's part of what the backlash is around is like, she went to Israel. And of course, like that's sure. Like the BDS movement does talk about not going to Israel period or the occupied territories period. But the problem that at least I'm seeing is not just that she visited the region. And it's not just that she visited the region without any sort of like learning, which she could have absolutely done, but it's really that 
she literally visited an exchange for social media. That's like what she, she said in exchange for a few posts that was, those were her words. And I'm like, Whoa, that is loaded. Yeah, I know. And it's an even sadder thing to think about that. Like Demi really needs that money. I, I no? guess. I mean, I think, I don't know if it's about like needing money. I, I hope I don't write. I don't know. That would be, that would be tough. I could imagine it's just like, look at this great opportunity and it's paid. How cool mm-hmm. is that? You know, like good for you. And she's done, I mean, like she's gone to like countries in Africa and I bet she was like, look, it's like other places. I do this all the time. And I think that's when she was like, why didn't anybody tell me as a part of my like briefing? Right. And like, do we hold the brands or whoever? I actually don't. Who paid for the trip? Like potentially the Israeli government. Yeah. I was right? wondering if that was like open, if like, it maybe, was, like who paid for the trip. Yeah. I think it was partially potentially the Israeli government and then partially like another like private donor. Uh, birthright. She went on birthright. Eldon Adelson. <laughs> I know he's involved. The fucking dinosaur idiot. Yeah. Sorry, but it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's when I'm like, Demi, like maybe if a country is paying you, like, is there something potentially that's a problem here? This is like Lindsay Lohan and Turkey. Yeah. That's a whole nother discussion. You're right. You're or, right. Uh... No, because she's actually a puppet and Demi's just an unwilling participant. Yeah. I mean, like I did not, I did think it was good that she said whatever issue that apology. I do think she was woefully... Did you see that her mom was like, I am unapologetic? No. Yes. (laughs) Her mom was like, I will go back and I will not apologize. I will be baptized eight more times. Listen, religious Christian Zionism is like a real force and it's quite dangerous. Um, It's not good for the Jews. It's not good for the Palestinians. It's not good for anybody except for Christians and fundamentalists. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I think that she's kind of like accidentally falling into beyond the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the occupation itself. Like Demi is a generally progressive person, as we know from like, you know, her performing confident at the DNC and in 2016, whenever that was. Um, And I like she is aligning herself with like the Trump, Bibi Netanyahu, right wing nationalism agenda by accident. And we just we need a little more from you, Demi. Come on. That's definitely gives me a lot to think about and a lot to chew on. And um, we should take that all with us and think about what we expect from our celebrities and our pop stars as we head into the B-side. And we're back and we're ready to now take a deep dive in our B-sides, which is when we pick one topic Whereas I literally just said, we do a deep dive. And today, we are so lucky to have someone near and dear to our hearts, closer to Hannah's heart than to mine and to Mimi's, but still <laughs> equally as close, Logan Bayroff. So you know him from his comments on behalf of J Street. He was mentioned in the New York Times. Am I wrong recently? That is correct. Yes, so. And his, his political advocacy organizations and others as his most important role as Hannah's boyfriend. Uh, Logan lives in D.C. and he runs communications for an advocacy group that promotes progressive foreign policy. His all-time favorite musicians are Tom Petty and Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Logan would have loved this bar in Nashville then. Uh, as, and he's seen Les Mis on Broadway four times. And like Mimi, he's obsessed with studying history. Welcome! Can- <laughs> Welcome, Logan. I am so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, um, let's start by, can you share with us what you love about pop music? Yes, absolutely. So I think what I love about pop is, um, Hannah knows that I think a lot about colors and pop just feels colorful to me. It feels bright, uh, vibrant. I like the really catchy hooks. I like that it's fast paced. I don't generally like music that feels um mopey it's not that i don't like any slow songs but i just think that the big emotions the big hooks um of pop music are really exciting to me it's obviously not the only genre of music that i like um but there's just something so fresh and energizing about a good pop song that i don't think you really get from most other types of music at least that i'm regularly listening to so does that mean you did not like the reputation era of taylor swift because she was not about colors in that era. 
She was not what? <laughs> about colors. Oh, yes. I did not like the um, the wearing black look, but I also didn't like the super rainbow vomiting thing that she's done a little bit recently. Um, but I did very much enjoy red in Tracks. large part because it is a, clearly about a color. And that Tracks. color is red. Yeah. Stay true to yourself, Logan. <laughs> and 1989, which also was like, it's like pink, but also kind of fall colors. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Logan, for being on the show. We're so lucky to have you. And for this week, because we all need a male's take, we're going to talk about masculinity and pop music. And I think it'll be, it's going to be a really great discussion. And it's something I know that Hannah, Mimi, and I have discussed prior, either on the pod or off the pod, about how oftentimes we hear men just shit on pop music and say that it's bad, it's not serious. And I also, maybe that's a big part of pop's reputation is that it's shaped by contempt or belittling men. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an easy out for men to claim that they don't like pop music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that Becky wanted us to kind of like share some of our history of hearing men just kind of like, as you say, dump on pop music. Um, And I feel like the thing that came to me was just like the amount of times that I feel like I've literally like gotten in fights with people, men, um, about pop music. And it's happened with non-men too, in the same kind of gendered way. I know two people who are women who, who say that they don't like women's voices in music like they don't like they don't listen to music that women sing so that's not pop music but there's all there's just something gendered about listening in general um and I feel like I am the fighting is always about like is this song good and also is this song art and those two things are sometimes like one and the same but sometimes they're different and I feel like those kinds of fights are just so demoralizing after a certain amount of time yeah I think that's true. I hate them. I don't think I've gotten in as many fights as you have about this. Have you wanted to? Yeah. I think I've definitely wanted to. Um, I think that I'm remembering in high school when, and I read an article recently that um, was saying that if we're talking along gendered lines, that men and women, when they're younger, listen to the same kinds of music. And then women keep up with contemporary music, mainstream music longer (laughs) than men do. Like men drop off for the most part. Obviously this is reductive and a big generalization, but that's the trend overall. And that's where part of this discrepancy comes from. But part of it is also like, I remember in high school, there were a few boys who I was friends with who started this. They would like when YouTube was brand new, they started this like music dubbing over oh pop songs you know what I'm talking about um and it it was like very popular in our grade but it was sort of the exception that proved the rule I think yeah. and it was pretty jokey yeah but it was also like wow boys are never like this so um so yeah but there is sort of that big discrepancy there yeah. and when I think about that that was one of the few occasions where I can think of men who like I've never dated anyone who liked pop music the way I do at all. Uh, I have an eclectic uh, music taste, I think. So I, there's still some shared things, but I think that um, that is relatively rare. It it definitely didn't occur to me that I could have uh, that, that a straight relationship that I would be in would have someone who not only is like not, making me defend my taste in pop music but actually likes pop music and is actually on my pop music podcast (laughs) goes so far as to to celebrate it I, i will say hannah it's definitely true that i've never had an aversion to pop but i do think that dating you i've gotten a lot more exposure to it and i think in some ways internalized for myself how much i actually really love it and i think some of that does relate to even with men who maybe aren't predisposed to have some of the sort of bullshit reasons for hating pop. Um, maybe if you, as you said, it, it is sort of more of a very contemporary medium in some way. You kind of have to keep up with the trends of what's happening. And if you're not regularly listening to the radio or you're not 
actually paying attention to who the major pop stars of the day are, um, I think it's easy to then feel disconnected from it, um, especially as men, and we can talk about the reasons for this, but where it feels like sort of it's not for you, you're not supposed to like it. Um, it does tend to read, I think, as a female slash feminine genre in the broadest sense, even though, as I think we can discuss, there are so many successful male pop stars, both now and in the past. Um, but whereas I think rock, even though there's great female rockers, reads as a male genre, rap tends to read as a male genre, and then pop tends to be read as a female yeah. or feminine genre. And that's where so much of this tension starts for so many, I think, straight men. What I'm hearing is that I empowered you, and uh, you're welcome. Thank you. I have been empowered. What I do think about also is how my boyfriend really loves the Beatles. And uh-huh. to me, like, the Beatles are pop. They're pop music. Like, yeah. they're, like, the classic pop music. But I don't think in his mind that he thinks as the Beatles as pop. Right. And the more, actually, that we're discussing this, I also think that women probably keep up with contemporary music more because they're more likely through a general society to not be working. So there's, like, you're in the car listening to the radio, taking your kids places, or you're like home or you're shot like shopping and stuff like that. So you're more exposed to music in ways that like you're not, if that's not what you're doing on a, doing on your everyday basis. But I did want to know, like, do men listen to pop music? So I, I asked the internet, do yes. men listen to pop music? We did. And I got, saw some interesting things. And honestly, it goes to my thesis that, men listen to pop music, what they deem as the Beatles and the Kinks and Love and the Beach Boys. Like old and pop? Old pop, not like, but what the most contemporary pop is like St. Vincent. If I last the obvious answer is like yeah i guess i listen to pop but like not the kind of pop that like i don't listen to like justin bieber and etc and like now as an alpha male on the other hand might not get caught dead listening to what his male friends but better believe he's playing some sean mendez or charlie puth when shorty is in the car with him gotta make an impression i thought the charlie puth reference was really <laughs> funny i was like is that really that's what you're going with but I think it speaks to this, like, obviously, one, like, the fact that this question alone is, like, being asked in a cura, cura means that someone else, like, is, like, feeling like I'm going to be emasculated if I listen to pop music. Um, yeah, I don't know. What that reminds me of and what you said about the Beatles, too, even though, yes, that is popular music, but when men have to jump in and be like, well, I like, because on another thread I saw, like, well, I like Crowded House and other <laughs> like 80s bands or like I like the Beatles and they're popular it reminds me of as someone who likes scented candles of when (laughs) when, (laughs) I promise this is relevant we'll see when there are uh like men's scented candles and they're like touchdown and they're yeah (laughs) they're like these special uh geared towards men scents even though that's not entirely a real thing and and especially like the labels are like mowing the lawn and things like that um it's kind of like this special label that you have to put on things to designate that it's masculine enough to enjoy yeah well i think part of what's interesting about the phenomenon of people saying oh well you know i i like the beatles or um i like uh i'm looking at this core answer you know i like uh fleetwood mac or i mean you know I think a lot of what scares men or bothers men in, in scare quotes about pop today is that it's associated more with women and especially with young women and the sense of like, you know, hysterical reactions, right. That aren't like really discerning. Um, but you look at something like the Beatles or like Elvis and there was so much cultural finger wagging at the time of, 
look at these women who are freaking out over Elvis or freaking out over the Beatles and this, you know, they're, they're mobbing them and they're, you know, like this is such, you know, basically implying that it must be trash. And now those are the people that are exalted and mostly thought of more in the realm of rock than of pop, even though the music they made was the most popular music of their time and has a lot of, you know, musically, sonically, a lot of, you know, was in many ways the pop music of their time. Obviously it depends on the song and it depends on the album and things like that. But um, I do think there's also a lot of revisionist history that goes on with that. Um, where great pop from the past is claimed by men for feeling like, oh, it's pop, but it's not really pop, or it's actually, I'm going to identify it as rock music or and feel comfortable with that. And I even think you could say that, you know, today's pop stars are much closer to the notion of the, the rock star. I mean, we don't really have too many rock stars anymore, if you really think about it. It's certainly not any that were produced in like, in the past 15 years who were not previously rock stars. But I think like the pop star today, it feels to me like whether that's, you know, Ariana Grande or Beyonce or Taylor Swift fills the role, or even someone like Ed Sheeran uh, fills the role of the rock star in sort of the way that you you would have understood that term more in like the sixties or seventies, maybe not with the like heavy drinking and drug use and womanizing, but with the sort of sense of an, iconic figure who people are obsessed with yeah I went to an Ed Sheeran concert in 2012 with the Philadelphia Museum of Art and I feel honestly like I could have been at a Beatles concert in the 60s there was a bunch yeah. of young women when I shouldn't say women it was like girls teens who were like throwing themselves at him and like crying profusely at the thought of seeing Ed Sheeran yeah but you know who reminded us of this fact a few years ago I think probably in 2017 is our Lord and Savior, Harry Styles, mm-hmm. who, who said exactly, Logan, to your point, and what Becky is sharing as well, that teenage girls, I think both the feminization of mass culture, or just the popular culture, um, you know, makes, makes um, a lot of men think that there's like this inherent um, shittiness if something has mass appeal. And Harry Styles, I won't remember the exact quote, but um, said something along the lines of like talking about basically defending teenage girls and their wisdom and being like in every era, teenage girls predict what is the best. They do it every time and they do it really well. Who's to say that teenage girls aren't like the most discerning cultural critics of our time? And this goes back to the question that you were asking earlier, Becky, of our anecdotes. Like, I remember some of the fights I would have with people back in the day that now I just no longer even, I'm just like, listen to my podcast if you want to know my fucking thoughts, Mm -hmm. Um, is, you know, uh, about whether or not, you know, if something is, has mass appeal, does that mean that it doesn't have any worth? Is it, you know, going to the lowest common denominator? And when the lowest common denominator is seen to be a girl, I get pretty defensive as as one would yeah. and just because it's co- it's popular doesn't mean it's bad i don't know logan like from from the man's perspective which is something that we always need why do you think men dislike pop so much or like they consider it bad or like at best a guilty pleasure which i will say a lot of women consider pop to be a guilty sure. pleasure too well, first of all, I'll apologize for being the designated mansplainer, but I think it's okay because I'm mansplaining why a lot of men yeah. kind of suck. We'll um, forgive you. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, I think that, you know, first of all, I think we've identified kind of the, the key point, which is just that for so many people, it's basically just misogyny, right? I mean, whether they're aware of it or not, it's pop being associated with female artists and voices. I think men are taught to take them less seriously, Um, They're less interested in identifying also with the female point of view or with, um, you know, female desires from a sexual or romantic perspective. And I think it actually can make men uncomfortable to think about um, relationships and sex and life from a female point of view or to look at their fellow men or themselves through that lens. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, that's a key point. And, and, you know, pop, Music is also a lot of just women in power. I mean, whether there's an explicit female empowerment message or it's just the idea of someone like an Ariana Grande or Rihanna or Beyonce just conveying a very powerful woman, I think that is off-putting to many men, whether they're going to admit that to themselves or not. Um, that's really off-putting. What a, what a bummer to be, you know, denied 
the amazingness that is all those people that is Dua Lipa that, you know, any of these people sad for people. It reminds My boyfriend, me- the Beatles fan loves Dua Lipa. Okay, good. There you go. Good. <laughs> it, um, it reminds me of how like movies and books are told in the same way where the default perspective is a white cis man's perspective and other perspectives are seen as like niche or like where's the audience for that even though like actually white cis men are the more and more the minority every day but there's something about just like the more dominant uh culture and it's interesting logan that you i think bring up um that thing that pop is seen as a genre that prioritizes women's storytelling because i think that's true and what's interesting is that there are still there are male artists who are still the the chart the pop charts are still dominated by men like ed sheeran Mm -hmm. and bruno mars are like dominating more than a lot of female artists so there but they their storytelling isn't as maybe in depth or as personal as some of the female artists so i think your point still stands i want to also flip that something that you were saying but flip to a positive though if you think about it it's actually quite awesome that women especially teens teen girls control so much of like consumption Uh like they dominate like it's their views and it's it's like it's their world we're just living in it you know but it's like they they are the reason why we have these pop stars today because they buy in they buy tickets to shows they buy merch as I sit here wearing a Taylor Swift Cornelia Street shirt like they control so much of what we see and what we talk about if these teen girls all of a sudden like tomorrow woke up and were like oh like I don't care about Harry Styles anymore like I'm really into like Keith Urban you know like (laughs) I would bet he would climb the charts to be like number one worldwide I respect that um they do like Keith Urban too I'm sure he's number one on the country charts I don't know why he was on my mind but like you know it's kind of cool like to think about it in that way yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's men's loss when they don't enjoy pop music. And it's just one of many things that men kind of, I mean, look, fragile masculinity um, and toxic masculinity hurts, um, you know, not, you know, women and non-male identifying people far more than it probably hurts the men it's themselves. But I do think that there's things that you close yourself off to, um, sometimes without even realizing it, sometimes because you're socialized to close yourself off to it. Um mm-hmm you know, because of that fragile masculinity, because of the homophobia or internalized homophobia also where, you know, I think especially with male pop stars or with liking female pop stars, it's associated with, the, with oh, you, you know, the being called gay and things like that. And that freaks people out. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a huge loss. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about more, maybe sort of more stereotypically misogynist guy, maybe coming from what we'd consider more of a traditional or like even mm-hmm. you know maybe like republican leaning perspective but i think it's also interesting for us and for purposes of you know your guys audience and the people that maybe we all grew up with um han i think or someone was touching on this a bit earlier but i think we also run into the sort of leftist or pseudo leftist critique of pop music that you get from a lot of guys maybe at liberal arts colleges and beyond which is sort of like oh, it's, um, it's really corporate or it's really consumerist. It's inauthentic. It's manufactured, right? It's that pejorative of top 40, which is, as you were saying, like if something's popular, therefore it must be bad um, or it must be mass produced. And maybe there's a germ of a legitimate criticism in there, certainly of late capitalism and of corporations and the stuff that they churn out, some of which is bad and some of which is manipulative and bullshit. But I also think that it's really convenient that that label gets applied to pop music and again to mostly things that young women like, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, I would just ask the men who instinctively feel that way about pop music, do you apply that same critique to other pieces of mass popular culture that you really enjoy? Like in my case, you know, Marvel Comics and the Marvel movies or Star Wars or other popular franchises or other types of music that have very mainstream appeal and corporate backing and big money behind them. Are you looking at that and being like, oh, that's really inauthentic and corporate and therefore I won't consume it? Or is it just really convenient to be like, yeah, I don't like pop because I'm just really woke um, and really just, you know, hip. Um, I think of like the Timothy Chalamet character in Lady Bird 
Oh my god. That's yeah. like the stereotype of this guy who's reading Howard Zen, like sitting yeah. by the pool and just like being a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a good picture. It's a good parallel. And I was gonna say, add to your list, or sports. Or it's the NFL in particular. Exactly, exactly. And I think Hannah and I have had this discussion actually where she's like, why do you get, she just tries to understand why I get so obsessed as I do sometimes with sporting events and with Liverpool Football Club. And I think we've talked about how- like a shout out there, didn't you? Yeah, my desire to consume content of my favorite athletes, either playing sports or then like, you know, looking at their Twitter and Instagram is a lot like following a pop star that you're obsessed yes. with and wanting to see yeah. what, what do they say behind the scenes and how do they prepare for the show? And then what does the show itself look like? And what's changed between this show and the last show? I mean, there's so much commonality there. And I think very few men even ever really stop to interrogate that because sports somehow feels like a more integral part of their life that you're just supposed to like. And how could you not like it? It doesn't yeah. feel and like I'm a, yeah. it's the same. I'm a full fledged member of bachelor nation. And it's the same. I follow it on Twitter. Like there's fantasy leagues. Like I follow the people on Instagram, like I'm invested and it's the same. I think that falls under the more women leaning thing than men, but. Right. So like, it turns out that being a fan of something is fun and actually like the way that you consume things that you're a fan of are pretty similar across any gender that you might associate with and any gender that the thing you love might associate with, but it is yeah, Logan, I think it, there's something that is a little heartbreaking when the critique of um, pop music, and listen, I'm down to critique pop music. That's literally why we're here. But the the writing off of pop music from a leftist perspective can be just kind of like a big fuck you or just it can feel more like a gut punch. Um, although I understand that it's dominant culture and what we as progressive people are trying to do is like dismantle the dominant culture that holds up the structures of society that are, you know, holding all of us back and you know, uh, stopping us from uh, being able to achieve our liberation. Sure. All those things are true. And why do you have to tear down some fucking awesome music to feel like that, you know, is another, you know, notch in your belt of, um, of, 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 of living out your political values. Um, when it turns out a lot of the political values, you can actually channel through some people who have big platforms and also not even to mention, which we haven't talked about at all yet, indie pop, like really good pop music that is not made by pop stars. So you can't use your like corporate machine lingo on someone like Betty who or, or Haley Kiyoko. Like it doesn't work. You're through, you know? Uh, Yeah. That's just a preview of the fights I've had with other people in my life. That's what that's like. I think because because I I think there's been a few bad eggs in pop music who have ruined the bunch. Like there are some bad, yeah, not bad. There just are some people like Ariana Grande like has an incredible voice and is so talented. She's a 15, but there are also people. I'm tr- help me. There are some people that are threes. That, I, do, like- I do think it's like not just about bad eggs that ruin the bunch because I I agree with that. I also do think what people from the left's perspective, and I understand it, I just think that there's more nuance than this, would say is that the the bunch is actually set up to um, to keep itself going and right. to be a part of capitalist society and like to, you know, to be dominant from, from, a, from a capitalist framework. So it's not just that it's bad eggs that ruin the bunch, it's that the bunch is actually created to prop up those bad eggs. I think about I Rebecca Black. That. You I, I was, was going to say that. I think, <laughs> oh. I think there's a there's some criticisms of pop music that you know obnoxiously treats almost all of it or most of it as if it's just oh it's just sort of a version of Rebecca Black. Yes, that, that song did a lot of damage. Yes, um, to people of our generation. So like Ariana Grande is not Rebecca Black. She's like debt, like huge beyond it. But like people are like, oh well, like look how easily Rebecca Black. Black paid like a thousand dollars to go into a recording studio and someone mixed her song and like anyone could be a pop star and like that's not true but that narrative is out there and so when people are can use that as an example to be like I think pop music is dumb because look how easy someone made this like catchy but horrible song
talked about the Claudia, the Claudia Ashre song too previously. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of idea. I mean, I think it's important to say that you don't have to like pop music, right? <laughs> and men don't have to like pop music and there are women who don't like pop music and that's cool and you don't have to like anything. And there is bad pop music. It's just, there's also bad versions of lots of other music. There's tons of bad rap. There's tons of sort of yes. bad kind of, you know, masturbatory, not that interesting to listen to indie rock also. And some people like that and other people are like, Jesus, what is this? Um, that's okay. But I think it's about, as Hannah's saying, when you take that broad brush, like someone in that Quora answer you were citing earlier, Becky, was like, yeah, I mean, I like pop, but not if it's Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, yeah. Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, like Miley Cyrus, just listed off, listed off basically like every well-known pop star. I was like, oh, not that. Um, and I do think that's some, that's some BS and people not being willing to engage with something that feels um, different and challenging to them. I also wonder, and I'm by no means an expert on this kind of stuff, but if there isn't a, um, also just sort of a sonic musical component to this. Because I think some of the sort of hipster guys that I was describing earlier, I think also have this sense that good music has to be like gloomier, yeah. more opaque, maybe slower, a little bit harder to understand, or the lyrics yes. have to be either just like, again, more more complex or more opaque. Um, and look, again, tastes are going to vary. As I said at the beginning, that's not my taste at all. So even as a straight man, it kind of makes sense why I would get excited about pop music when I think I tend to like music also in rock and other genres that's much more upbeat, fast-paced, big hooks. Um, it's not that I don't like a good lyric or a complex lyric, but I think that appeals to you more. It doesn't appeal to everyone. But there is a way in which it seems to be a deliberate choice to kind of say, I'm going to reject the thing that feels... yeah more fun, more exciting to more people. Easier. And I'm going to make that like a personality choice. And I think that's uh, a choice that a lot of people are making without maybe thinking through the consequences of it or that it's maybe not uh, leading them to live their best possible life. Yeah, I, I also think in addition to lyrics is also the lack of like live music that comes with pop music that people are like, oh, I don't like... I like rock because like it's a band, like they're playing yeah. the guitar, whatever, et cetera, yeah, that, that it feels like a real skill, even though like singing and all that is a real skill, but yeah. it's easy to discredit it because you're like, well, look at this like band or there's like a, a bassist, a guitarist, a drummer, yep. et cetera. Like, so. but going back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of like, you know, sharing what the forefront was like, that's the same way of like when Bob Dylan went electric and everybody mm -hmm. was like, that's not music. And now it's, you know, yep whatever people are making on right. Logic Pro. Is that what it's called? I think so. Right? You know, whatever people are making and whatever it'll be in 10 years. It's like, sorry for all the people who get stuck, most of them men, in thinking that what they listened to five years ago is what needs to stay true. And that I think is part of not keeping up with contemporary you know people get they say that a lot of people get frozen in their teen yeah. years and 20 years with what they listen to but I think that can be particularly true yeah. when you don't keep up and then you just kind of stick with it forever i also sometimes feel like the skill of the pop star is actually that ability to be on stage alone i mean not that they don't have backup dancers or backup singers but that ability to hold the audience entirely to have to do all the dancing also which is a skill that generally most other forms of music yeah. you're not doing and i think tends to get belittled or looked down on or ignored especially by men um but the combination of needing to hold the entire audience pretty much by yourself, always have the spotlight on you, hit the notes with your voice, you know, the dancing as well. Like all of that is really impressive. I think there's also a reason why pop by far has the most exciting and interesting music videos and uh -huh. still keeps that genre alive for a sense when like in the early days, a lot of music videos were also rock or pop rock. And that's another thing that I like about pop is how much of a visual medium it still is. And part of that is just that they have the money at the highest levels when you're talking about big pop stars to produce really highly produced cool looking videos and to push them out. And I'm sure there's lots of other artists that would love to do that in interesting ways, but it does feel like pop lends itself to that, right? I mean, God is a woman lends itself to Ariana doing that crazy video. And that visual language is also what I think makes pop exciting. And again, I think a lot of people are shut off to that because if you're not regularly listening to pop or think that it's something you like you're probably not even going to take the time to search for those videos on youtube because most people aren't like watching mtv anymore obviously so 
that's also a whole other aspect of it that you're, that is being, you know, you're sort of closing yourself off to. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do with my friend Grace is that we like play like old songs of Ariana Grande, like on YouTube and like show our friends that like, she actually is amazing. Yeah. Like has amazing vocals. People are like, oh wow. Like I didn't realize that. And it's like, yeah, like she's actually incredible. <laughs> Hannah's giving a middle finger to the camera, which and it's so <laughs> weird because who looks at or you know someone who's really good on guitar and is like, oh, I bet they're not that good at the guitar, you know? Yeah. Like who's just kind of watching, like you know, listening to the White Stripes and be like, oh, they can't actually be good. <laughs> so it's like, why yeah. does that assumption come in with pop music? Well, of I like, think it oh, has they to do not with age. Yeah, I think like a lot of these pop stars are young when they first come out. So it's really easy to discredit a woman first off and really easy to discredit a young woman based on talent. Um, and I just, we talked about the misogyny, but I really think that that is one of the largest things. I mean, look, like if I was just looking at the billboard charts right now, um, men like are on top of these charts. Yeah. Like I think Sean Mendez is up here post Malone. Uh, Post Malone has two songs in the top 10 right now. Chris Brown, like he shouldn't even be around anymore. And he has a number seven song right now called No Guidance. I actually don't know it. Are you guys familiar with it? Cancel him like a long time ago. But look, I mean, Post Malone has three songs. Ten years ago. Three songs. Ten years ago, ago we canceled him. I lie. Post Malone has four songs in the top 10. No, that's too many. You have to be kidding. Sunflowers, number 10. Someone took a big L. I don't know how that Looking at your sideways, party on tilt. Ooh, certain things you just can't refuse. She want to ride like a cruise. And I'm not trying to lose. Then you're left in the dust. Unless I stuck by you. You're a sunflower. I think your love will be too much. I love that song. Yeah, take what you want. <laughs> I love that song too, and it's Unless been there for a long time. Take what you want is number eight. Shout out Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which <laughs> prominently features that song. Circles and goodbyes. I mean, this goes back to our episode, I believe it was number eight, question mark, mm-hmm. about if pop music is is the same as, as top, as the charts, mm-hmm. which goes back and forth. We're, we're still just, still we're, out on that. As we're talking about this and how a lot of men, like, are actually, we have a lot of male artists too. It's not just women. Yeah, exactly. Although I don't know if you could consider Post Malone pop. I thought you were going to say, I don't know if you can consider Post Malone male. No, I don't know if you consider Post Malone I, pop. I don't know what the gender spectrum is. I don't know how he identifies, but I'm that is aware true. that he uses he, him, and his. So I just, I mean, like, so more I don't, like genre wise. Yeah, I think he represents what the future of pop is for sure. Yeah, I think of him as more hip hop, but I actually, I'm not, think, a, I'm not a big Post Malone. I will admit, I don't really dabble in Post Malone. He's awesome. I mean, his music is. I don't know if he's awesome. He probably sucks. Friend of the uh, friend of the pod, Molly O'Brien loves Post Malone. I just wanted to go back to one thing Logan said that I thought was really interesting about um, sort of the stage presence and the other skills that I think seem less quantifiable to a lot of people. Um, or less noticeable if they don't pay attention or they prioritize just instrument playing. And I was just thinking about, as you were saying that, and then after for the next five to 10 minutes while everyone was talking, I was thinking about um, pop stars like Taylor Swift, obviously the prominent example here, but there are other ones who certainly come out without an instrument, but then also come out with a guitar or something and it's not weird, but it is they go through different phases where maybe early Taylor Swift, she comes out without a guitar potentially. And it's like, Ooh, like state, like without the guitar, like the crutch is gone or something. But then when they aren't um, typically having an instrument out there and then they bring it out, that's like a big deal. And the other way it's like, it's either, it's either a throwback or it's like, Oh, they can play an instrument too, a talent. And it's not seen as a crutch, but it sort of depends on um, the order of things and what you're used to from them. Like when Lizzo plays the flute. Yeah. Yes. Like proficient in a woodwind approval, approval. As much as I am like incredibly proud of Lizzo and her, uh, and her like ability to do as much as she does with that flute. 
there's something that is a little heartbreaking about the fact that she needs to consistently, like, even literally today, this afternoon, today, my boss said to me, Lizzo is so great. And do you know, she's a classically trained flautist as if that was, and I was like, yes, I I do know that. Like I know actually Lizzo very well. I have a podcast on pop music. Actually, (laughs) please listen to episode six of the B-sides where Becky breaks down Lizzo for us. Yes. Um, But like that, that is um, somehow like the thing she felt she needed to say in order to justify why she was telling me that Lizzo was good. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? upsetting yeah but I was like yeah go Lizzo but yeah I feel like people say that about Taylor Swift I know you guys just talked about that but I think that that's something too where it's like oh well at least she writes her own music yeah you know right right exactly it's like a caveat yeah there's this idea that you have to be to be a great performer you have to also be some kind of like great artiste or like auteur or you have to have all these accumulated skills that you spend hours and look I think basically almost everyone who is successful in pop music probably has put in tons and tons of hours working on different aspects of their performance that may be their voice it may be their dancing it may be other things that they put time into um, in addition to potentially Mm -hmm. you know classical musical training or other types of musical training so I mean no one's getting to that place without having put a significant amount of hard work in but there does seem to be this sort of bar that is applied um which yeah is 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 that fucked up um Logan you had another um final point about why it is that men might hate pop music that I thought was really compelling so wanted to make sure you got a chance to share it cool so yeah, one other thing we haven't really touched on yet is, and we've talked a little bit about male pop stars, but specifically the phenomenon of the boy band, which mm-hmm. I think also is for men who don't like pop music, boy bands is like the er example of what they hate. It's like the <laughs> ultimate garbage for them. And it is this assumption that the fandom for something like that, something like One Direction um, or the Jonas Brothers just must be based on a sort of hysterical again, scare quotes, I know that's a very gendered term, Um, sexual attraction, um, and like there's just no way it could possibly be good in some way. Um, And I think even myself as someone who likes pop music, I was not someone that was really listening at all to One Direction um, or the Jonas Brothers. Again, sucks for you. You missed that, man. How dare you? Before dating Hannah. Um, That has changed. And... Yeah, I think it's just something that you write off because it's the idea is if you're a straight man, it's like, oh, this is this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really has that stigma around it of being mass produced kind of schlock. Um, and, you know, sort of the kind of thing that's made fun of in like pop star, never stop, never stopping, which is actually a hilarious movie. And I think Love Hannah, I think Hannah, you had reservations about that movie because you're like, I don't like any movie that sort of parodies pop music and pop stars and belittles it. I was, I went into watching that movie being like, do not hurt Justin Bieber. But now I'm kind of like, you can hurt Justin Bieber. At the time I was like, do not hurt my Justin. (laughs) Right. But it's just so well done. And it's it's really, um, it's really funny. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, so I just, I think that's interesting. And I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. Um, And I think it also at some level relates to the desire then of male stars in boy bands to break out and go solo, which obviously that's a natural phenomenon. We see that with uh, female group bands as well, of people wanting to go have their own careers and get bigger on their own. But I also just think there's like a legitimacy level that Harry Styles um, is just not getting in one direction because of the inherent stigma around boy bands that nothing I think One Direction ever produced or produces no matter how good it is, is ever going to be seen as like, whoa, a real major sort of artistic accomplishment or achievement or something that's really worth celebrating in the way that his first album, which I thought had some good songs and some okay songs, was already much more celebrated. Yes. Yeah. I will back to the teen girl thing. I mean, teen girls, it's boy bands are very much manufactured to be for teen girls I think so in the fact that it just does that it loses it loses male audiences just by like the, the music that they make and like the fandom associated with it is for girls 
an aside, it made me think about how much I actually love Ashley I and Jared from Bachelor because the thing that brought them together was their mutual love for the Jonas Brothers. And I was like, this is subtle, but a very strong message to be sending to like your fans and like the world at large that like the two of you go to a Jonas Brothers concert like as a unit and you both are enjoying it. Like he's not going because his girlfriend asked him to go, his wife now, he's going because like he loves the Jonas Brothers, which I think is really great. Yeah, it's great. Like they just like love the Backstreet Boys and the Jonas Brothers like equally together. I think that point about Harry Styles versus um, One Direction is so funny because as much as I loved, I loved Harry Styles's album that I can't wait for the next one, Made in the AM, which is um, mm. One Direction's last album, had some songs that on any other album might feel like they were indie rock or something like that. But I think it's true. Just who they were, what they presented as was seen as something that is for a specific demographic's consumption. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's real. It's how, like, also the Jonas Brothers' new album kind of sounds like Made in the AM. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've talked a lot about how um, pop music tends to be kind of youth-focused and youth-dominated in a way, and that's a good thing. I do think also sometimes people have legitimate critique that so much energy in our culture, especially in the United States overall, goes into trying to make things that young people are going to like and just being obsessed with that demographic sometimes at the expense of providing things that, you know, people in other demographics, like, I think you see a lot of hang-wringing about this with movies and the idea that everything now is like a comic book movie or a big franchise movie, a sort of big, dumb, uh, intellectual property-based action movie and that you don't get sort of like mid-range adult movies. Um, Like, I was listening to an interview with the director of Hustlers, which Hannah and I went and saw the other day and everyone should go see. And that's the kind of movie that they were talking about, you know, doesn't get made as much anymore because I think there's so much of a focus on actually what young teen boys and men under 30 want to see at the movies. And the idea that that's, again, big sort of comic book movies. And so you may see something similar to an extent with music where people feel that they're being ignored or the genres that they like aren't getting as much play or even that older pop stars aren't getting as much attention as they should, right? Why aren't major pop stars from the 90s or even earlier necessarily having, or later necessarily having the careers now that they should have? So I think there's Mm -hmm. definitely as a a certified leftist podcast, there's something there to critique. Um, But that's also why... I think it's sad when uh, leftists or self-identified leftists close themselves off from pop because I think there is a lot to engage with in the medium that a lot of people are listening to and there's things to critique about it. But if you're plugged into it, it also taps you into a much wider base of people that you can talk to and kind of engage with some of their common tastes um, that you're not going to get necessarily if you're just focused on your very small scope indie bands that I mean, it's great for you to be obsessed with and that's awesome, but it's not going to give you the same kind of um, cultural relevance if you want to have a cultural, political conversation. Yeah, I think that's totally true, Logan. And just to touch on your age point again, um, I remember at the, the it's, it's almost as if um, things will only be geared towards older people if there's like hard data that will support it. For instance, at the 2015 Super Bowl, the data was suggesting that like the average age of people who watch the Super Bowl is like 44. And so Katy Perry, as we all know, left shark. shark. No one will forget that. But the average 44-year-old wasn't like, this is my thing. But they brought on Missy. Oh, God damn, this is my jam. <laughs> they weren't going to hear her roar. They were, but were they going to like it right. is the question. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, but so they brought on Missy Elliott, who for a lot of those people, hmm. yeah, yeah. And, you know, not to say Missy Elliott is timeless. Missy yeah. Elliott was actually the left shark. A lot of people don't remember that. A lot of people don't know this about Missy Elliott, but she was left shark. And um, please spread this information far and wide. <laughs> um, yeah, because she, you know, at her, at, I don't want to say her peak because she's not one of those artists like that but at some of her most popular moments in the late 90s um a lot of people who were watching the super bowl and whose taste in music was solidified back then were like yes i am receptive to this in a way that i am not quite receptive to Katy perry um so it's interesting how yes so many things are geared towards younger people and um 
the times when they're not are sort of very specific moments like that, where there's hard data of like, this would be very advantageous for us to um, also engage with some older folks. You would think also that you'd, that like from a capitalistic point of view, you'd want to engage with older folk because you would assume that they would have the money to actually buy in to like the products. But I guess also like the teens are just using the, their parents' money in this case. That's the thing with, that's the thing with the teen girls is I think part of that is that they can be very persuasive to their parents. And so like if they didn't have access to credit cards in some way or another, a lot of things wouldn't be geared towards them, even if um, they were otherwise tastemaker poor tastemaker I, th- oh I think God, it's, yeah it's also sort of a historical phenomenon to, uh i know that mimi also shares an obsession with history that i have that i think sort of the real kind of like post-war origin of mass consumerism um was connected to the creation like the creation of the teenager which yeah. was not something that really existed before the 1950s mm-hmm. and you have the baby boom you have so many more younger people in the Western world than you've had before. And now they have disposable income because you have this economic boom as well that accompanies that in the 50s and 60s. And so now um, people have all this disposable income and their parents' money that they're looking to spend. And so suddenly you just have this mass production of product, you know, like um, everything from skincare products to pop music to all kinds of different things that are specifically targeted at teens. And we've kind of just right. never really stopped doing that. Um, it's, it's still happening. So yes. I think that's part of what we're, what we're seeing here. Totally. I, I think on that ominous note, <laughs> that's a good place to end. Cause God knows I could talk to you guys for hours about this and zigzag on different tangents and talk about made in the AM Logan. Um, I just want to thank you so much for joining us. We've been dying for the male perspective and <laughs> I'm so happy that you, it could be you. Um, no, I'm being serious. I'm not making a joke. Um, thank you. Okay. How can people find you if they want to talk more with you at you share their comments? Um, yeah. So you can find me pretty much always and also exclusively on Twitter um, at Bayroff. B-A-Y-R-O-F-F. Um, you will get politics takes. You will get sports takes. You will sometimes get uh, pop music takes. So find me there. Um, and otherwise, if you need to reach me, um, you can probably just ask Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> I got um, it. All right. Well, stay listening because we're going to throw at you some you side. Now we're going to turn to the you sites where we ask uh, our wonderful, wonderful Facebook group, which we will, which is in the description of the podcast. So you should join if you're not in it. And also on our Instagram, follow us at um, listen to the B sides on Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. I just had a momentary uh, lapse. Um, okay. So th- th- today we asked um, in the vein of the B sides, what song comes to mind when you think of the word pop? Hannah, mm-hmm. Mimi, what, what word comes to mind when you think of the word pop? Not word, what artist? Sorry. Mm, Britney Spears. Mm, that's the only answer. <laughs> yes, and that is what a lot of people uh, said. We got some Ariana Grande in there, some Lady Gaga yeah. Bad Romance, which I think is one of the ultimate pop songs. Yeah. Um, that is such a perfect pop song. Such a perfect pop song. Obviously, Dirty Pop by NSYNC. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Carly Rae Jepsen. Absolutely. But I think Britney. Did she really get the most? Yeah, she got the most. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like five or six people. That. Five or six people mentioned Britney. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Um, it's either, you know, it might be the influence of episode four. It might be that that is everyone's. That's like my panic answer. I'm just like Brittany. <laughs> it is good. So um, I was going to maybe say CRJ, but I feel like I talk better too much. So I, yeah, dirty pop. Absolutely. I, can I say as an aside, anytime someone says CRJ, I think they're meaning criminal justice reform, but are just mixing up. 
the letters. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> it took me so long for people to be like, I was like, C R J. It was like so You're like, no, 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 that's C J R. Right. <laughs> um. Anyway, guys, that's and our no, show. Oh. Oh, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. Yeah. No male artists. No Backstreet Boys was on there. Okay, and Dirty Pop. You're right. Yeah. So but, no. But, so boy groups. Boy groups. You're right. Boy groups. Interesting. Right. No one said Sam Smith. I think of him as pop. Mm. No one even and, said Jackson, who's, you know, we're, we'll, we'll need to get into him one day, but that like, he was pop for so long. Like he was, and everywhere. no one said my new, my new dude, Post Malone. Yeah. Is Post Malone pop? Should we talk about that one day? We should talk about Post Malone. I think okay. we should get Molly O'Brien. If you're listening on the podcast to talk about Post Malone. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's a done deal. Great. So that's our show. Um, we love to talk with you. So follow us on Instagram, listen to the B-Sides and on Twitter at the B-Sides Pop. We're getting there on Twitter, I promise. And join our Facebook group by searching B-Sides or going to, I'm just going to put this in the comment. I don't, you know, the bit.ly. I don't, yeah. Um, anyway, subscribe, as I told you in the beginning and review us on iTunes, five stars, please. And we will see you in 13 days, not 14 days, because we're going to be <laughs> back on a Wednesday it won't be Yom Kippur anymore. So until next time, we cut to the feeling. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. I'm Hannah Zoe.